0: be amazed when you stand in a line and you're actually talking to people how much they tell you because all guards are off they're not sitting in a counsellor's room they're not sitting where they're accountable to someone you're just someone that they're talking to while they're waiting for food and the stories are phenomenal
1: this is down to earth conversations where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth Kia ora koutou e Down to Earth Conversations whānau, no mai, haere mai and māna wātia a maturiki. Happy Māori New Year and welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversation. Thanks for joining me. I have nearly no voice from the flu, so I'm just going to crack right into it today. Stuart Enno is a former youth worker who now, alongside his wife Sarah, runs Kairos Food Rescue here in Ototahi Christchurch, which includes the Kairos Free Store. We talk about how the free store started, how he became involved and how it's changed in its short life. We hear stories of people whose lives have been changed in remarkable ways through this organisation that simply offers free food to those who need it. And we hear about Stuart's desire that people would always be the centre of what they do. This is episode 51 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Stuart Enor. I'm here today with Stuart Enor. Kia ora, Stuart. Kia ora. Thank you. having us. Let's start by just getting you to introduce yourself for the listeners. Who are you? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? That kind of thing.
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, I, I say I was born in Auckland, bred in Canterbury, so I've got the best uh, <laughs> the best side of some things. But um, I grew up a lot of my life in, in Christchurch uh, as a kid um, and now married here, got a wife, got um Two of our own beautiful children, and we've also got a foster child, a home for life. So three kids in the house. Yeah. Uh, all under, one's at school, and the other to preschool, and a, a toddler. So that's pretty cool, and it's just great having a um, opening our home up to other. Yeah. Young people to, you know that may not have had those opportunities that we can offer. So
1: yeah. Was that something but, you were always interested in, or how did something that Something my about? wife's
0: always been interested in, yep. uh, and when I met her, I really sensed that as a, a thing, and. It's just been a. It's just been an amazing journey. It's it's been over the last two and a half years, doing all the courses with on the Tamariki, and then um, also uh, having another young lad come into our house every second weekend, um, and then this opportunity came up, so we we took it. So
1: yeah, cool. Yeah, and and you're currently we're here to talk today about Koiras Food Rescue, but what what was your kind of background before that?
0: Yeah, so background of youth work, um, and. Also, uh, I've driven trucks before and different things like that. But a qualified
1: youth worker is my sort of core thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Had you thought that that was going to be like your ongoing thing, or was it that was while you were a bit younger that was what you were going to do, and then you were going to branch into something sort of else? I've done
0: or? youth work beside other things like driven trucks to subsidise being able to be a youth worker. Um, Obviously, that's not an industry that pays super well. Yeah. <laughs> or or a, a lot of sustainability because it's often so relying on funding.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but um, I really enjoyed it and I really enjoy just, I, I suppose what I really get a kick out of in life is, is providing an opportunity for people to have a hand up. Yeah. Uh, and, and when they have that aha moment, they suddenly get something that, that they needed to get. Uh, that's probably where I... Yeah, I really enjoy that. So yeah. being a youth worker and seeing someone get that aha moment when when they've realised that maybe the way they're doing something is not going to get them far in life and things like that, and they yeah. realise they've got to shift that and that that sort of I really enjoy that. So
1: yeah, that's cool too because it's not it's not about you giving them stuff mm. and changing their life. It's about you being part of their journey while they figure that out, isn't yeah. it? It's, that's right. Yeah. It, when they get an aha moment, yep. it's about them learning and them growing Mm. um, but you're there with them while they do it which is I
0: think you'll see that as we talk today you know it's the old thing you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink yeah we want to give people a hand up not a hand out and Mm. so it's for them to find that moment it's for them to but you can present them opportunities to find it yeah
1: yeah yeah so um Oh, it started off as Chorus Free Store, Chorus Food Rescue. Yeah, yeah. How did it start? Yes, yeah, so it started by
0: um, a lady, Beth Hutt, and she worked in the cafes. Uh, she was a cafe manager for over 10 years in a big cafe in the city here in Christchurch. And she literally put some scones in the rubbish bin one day and then was walking home, walked past some people, started talking to them, realised that one of the issues for them was that they were hungry. Mm. And I say one of the issues because we often find food mass issues yeah. behind what's going on. Um, but she went and she went, oh, I've just thrown those scones out. They would have been perfect. Mm. And and so that's where it grew from. And so our name is means unique and opportune moment. It's a Greek word. You've got mm. chronos, which is sequential time, one, two, three, four, five, mm. sequential, whereas kairos is the unique and opportune moment. And so we, we talk about that as being a unique and opportune moment. And funnily enough, that just keeps filtering through the life mm. of kairos. We continuously have these unique and opportune moments that just how did that happen you know yeah. or why how did these all connect you know yeah. um i would go further to say sometimes it's actually a god moment yeah but that's you know but for for chorus perspective we we talk about that unique and opportune moment and so then nine months later she got a had a team together she had a container shipping container donated she had aluminium windows cut and put into the side of it uh, the container cut out and the windows put in whole lot of builders' time all donated, and that container got put at 311 Senassa Street, where it still is today. Um, and it's open two times a week at the moment. We're just short on volunteers um, with COVID and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and from 5.30 at night, anyone can come along. No, no questions asked. We don't ask how much you earn. We don't ask any questions at all. Mm. And you can get some food. And we have all walks of life come in there from families, To people who do live on the street, to people who are financially under hardship, Mm. right through to... We have a lawyer that comes down sometimes, and he likes just the realness of people. Mm. So we get a whole mix of people. Anyone can come. Yep.
1: Was that... uh, Like, I imagine that COVID trashed that whole thing a little bit yeah it
0: did look we've tried lots of different things so we've done a bit like the supermarket click and collect we've literally you've walked past us we've handed you a bag of food yeah whereas normally you'd go in a line of people and you would actually pick some items right you'd come in and and choose it yourself yeah and and so we talk about getting enough food for you and your family for today. Yep. It's not like a food parcel that's going to last your family a week or four days. Yeah, it's, right. it's enough to get you through the next couple of days. Yep. Um, so most people walk away with a wee bag of food rather than box loads of food. Yes. Um, but yep. with co- with the COVID, uh, different times we've, we've done different things. Uh, unfortunately, in the recent lot with this Oricom, we've actually had to shut that part of it down. It was just becoming too hard to get people to stand so far apart and yeah. and different things. And also, we had to be careful with our organisation, with our limited staff, that if there's two parts to our operation, there's the yep. freestyle part, where we get the food from the cafe, and there's also this part where we get food in bulk within, and arrives in trucks mm. to our warehouse. We break it down to smaller amounts and that goes out to over 22 other food banks in the city. It also goes to some preschools and kindergartens mm. and things like that. And so um, for us, we had to go, okay, that feeds a lot of people, whereas mm. the free store feeds some people. And yeah, as right. important as it is to us, we had to make a call what we were going to keep running. Yeah. And so we had to shut the free store. But it's all opening in now. It's, yeah, cool. um, people are back, and it's so good to see people. It's just so nice because that's where the relationship building happens. That's where we connect with people. Yeah. That's where the food becomes a tool. Yeah, people get attracted, and then we can connect with them, and yeah, work through things from there.
1: Yeah, I was talking to my wife about it last night, and I said oh, I've got an inkling that there's going to be a relational element to this. That mm. this isn't about just handing out food and hoping people will be okay. Yeah. That actually. Yeah. Like, just from the little clips I've seen of you, you know, you you seem like the sort of person who actually wants to get to know people. Yeah, so from
0: um, some other food groups around New Zealand, and when I get, I'm on a national food rescue board, Yeah. uh, and when we get to sit in those bigger spaces with other people, other organisations, they go, but how do you know so much about your people? We don't, and we do the same as you, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So we (laughs) delved in, why do we? And I I think... um, there's two parts to you know food rescue is. You've got the fact that um, you're rescuing food, you're you're saving food that could be edible. It's edible yep. and not going to the rest. There's all the whole emissions and. Um, the whole side of rubbish dumps and eat yeah. methane and all that—you're you, stopping that. And some people come from that angle, but for me personally, I come from the—you know it's the Maori proverb: "What is the most important thing?" Yeah. tangata tangata—it's the people, the people, the people. And so, probably as leading this organisation, I've driven more it from that perspective than the food rescue. But the food rescue is our tool to yes. reach the people. You'd be amazed when you stand in a line, and this is what I've said to some of these other groups, when you stand in a line and you're actually talking to people, mm. um, how much they tell you when they're waiting in line for food. Because all guards are off.
1: Yeah, right. They're not
0: sitting in a counsellor's room. They're not sitting where they're accountable to someone. Yeah, You're just someone that they're talking to while they're waiting for food. Yeah, And the stories, I mean... It's phenomenal yeah. <laughs> that we get told. They just open up. They literally just like a, just open up this can of worms yeah. and tell you everything. And so if you're listening to that, yeah. you then realise, hey, look, I know someone, I, I hear you talking about this, that you've got problems with the money and the debt and the debt collectors and different things. I know someone who might be able to help you with that. Would you be open to having a discussion? Mm. and that's where we connect people into a budgeting service or a counselling service or um, other other services that are in the city we don't do those things, we're not good at those things mm. but we can connect them and so sometimes it's even a conversation would you like me to go with you to the meet this guy would you like me to set up a coffee
1: because that can be a huge barrier eh? that, oh, huge. that if you're just going hey I'll, I'll set it up and you go mm there's the nerves of this is a new person like I don't know this person can I trust them whereas if they've already built some sort of connection with you and you're going with them that just takes away a whole lot of the barrier for them doesn't it absolutely
0: they know that you're just there walking with them and I I think
1: like there's a saying it says
0: don't run in front of me I may not keep up don't walk behind me I may not lead just take my hand and walk beside me as a friend Mm. and I think that's that's what we try and do with people, and look, we're not setting up Kairos to convert people to Christianity. It's not yeah. actually our intention. Yeah. Our intention is to see people better than where they were when they came in, mm. and that's not trying to put anyone down, saying that they're in a bad position either. But we can all be better at what we do. Mm. It doesn't matter what we do; we can all be better. Mm. Um, um, that
1: genuineness is really important now, because mm. so often people have these good ideas, but then there's like a bait and switch, you know, where people think they're coming in for food and suddenly they're being evangelised to or, you know, that, yeah. or, or they think they're coming in and suddenly you're coercing them into counselling or whatever whereas you sound like it's a really relational process of hey this is here if you want it. otherwise grab your food, all good
0: and I think that comes back to you know, if you put a sign up and say free food you'll get every man, his dog, his auntie his brother, mm. his mother you know, like everyone will come
1: People love free food. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, and Christchurch statistically is one of the f- easiest places in New Zealand to get food right. over other other places in New Zealand. There's so many groups that want to be involved in it and do it. Um, there's almost too many. We're mm. oversaturated. There's so many groups that are like, oh, we should feed the poor. Oh, let's start up a, um, a food bank just down the road. And mm. what they don't realize is three doors down, there's actually another one. And it's trying to, one of the things we're doing in the Christchurch Food Bank Network, is we're trying to get everyone to sort of recognise mm. we're all unique and special in what we do. We all come to this from a different angle, but realistically, we don't all need to be all doing it in a particular suburb in Christchurch yeah. and and actually make sure that we're all spreading across the city and we're all looking after areas that we feel called to. Mm. Um, and so that's that's we're starting to see quite a shift in Canterbury just some of that yeah. I mean I was a, a point a while back where every week we were getting a phone call from oh we just started a food bank can we come and get food off you guys and we're like well who are you what do you want to do yeah. you know what area are you in and and literally we go do you know there's actually one three doors down from you yeah oh yeah we know that but we don't like the way they do it it's like, well, why don't you guys all get in a room together and sort it out because we're yeah. not going to supply food to two groups that are three doors apart from yeah. each other um, because you're going to do the same thing and all you're going to do is get someone to go to you and then they're going to come down the road and go to, yeah.
1: go to the others. Yeah. So, yeah. I think we experienced a little bit of that when I, was, um, when I was working in a church and we would have people say to us, oh, do you have a food bank here? And we, we kind of went, well, no, because there are so many good organisations already doing that and we don't have the capacity, like, we could try, but then we're just going to do a, a dismal job of something other people are doing well anyway. So it was our, our policy was to refer people on. And and the same thing, it's like, well, you know, I can take you somewhere if you, you know. Um, and, and we had some, some finance for being able to, you know, give people some vouchers for Countdown or, you know, those kind of things, but um, it really was about going, let's not, try and replicate what's already happening let's just support the people that are already doing that and um yeah and and also we'd get people come to us for for help and then we'd ring up some of the food places we knew to see if we could get support and they say oh actually they've already had x amount and we've said no more at the moment (laughs) and then you're like okay well that's a problem you know and and I think that's
0: a big thing because um a lot of traditional food bank models is you go to that food bank, you get food off them and especially the bigger ones, um, after a while they'll say, Right, we're not going to give you any more unless you engage in our budgeting service or unless you engage in our family service or unless you And that's because these food banks have identified there's an issue going on for that family. Yeah. And and this is where I talk about food masking a problem. Yeah. If they keep giving food, it just keeps hiding that problem. But now this problem's rear its head, let's deal with it and let's help people, you know some people don't want help yeah so they'll just go okay and they'll go off to the next food bank and, and, the next and those are bank. the
1: people that we were getting
0: and that's yeah. exactly what happens if and that's what i kind of say about hanging the sign up saying free food so um what we're trying to do is find a way that the people are really looking after people in their area and building those relationships because only through relationships mm. that things change for people um and And there's some people who are, I would say, professional food bankers. I don't know if that's a term, but they literally know how many they can get out of this group and then they know how many. And so some people challenge us and say, well, you guys are giving away free food. Why why are you guys actually, um, you're just as bad as us in some ways? And we're like, well what we're trying to do is give people a hand up and our intention is to get to know people mm. but in a different, like it, it's a bit like the taxi model and the Uber model, mm. you know, they both get you from A to B but the taxi you're paying on a meter whereas the Uber you know how much you paid beforehand but mm. Uber's kind of taken a big dig on the taxi industry. Mm. It's the same with restaurants and um, the fast food, mm. um, what do you call it, the home delivery, Uber Eats and things like that, you know. the uh, Airbnb is another example, you know. Mm. And, and so I kind of say sometimes, well, the model we've got is a bit like the, the Uber model. We're a bit different. Mm. We don't require people to engage in something, but we might have people come for three years before something changes. Mm. But we hope that it will,
1: you know. Mm. Um, and, and there's good things about both models, isn't there? Oh, and so there it's not about going, that one's bad, <laughs> this one's good. It's mm. going, well, they're doing that, let's do mm. something different. Mm. And then you're kind of covering both bases yeah um.
0: I think it was really highlighted um during the very first covid lockdown people were just ringing around they were panicking and, mm. and let's be fair we haven't been in a lockdown in New Zealand really before not in my lifetime that I know of you mm-hmm. know um yeah. and and so people were panicking there was mm. a bit of panic we'll give that but they were literally ringing around oh, I need a food parcel I need a food parcel I, I don't know. I can't get out I'm too scared to get out you know mm. was a lot of fear yeah and that's sort of thing and literally what we saw is the Salvation Army would drive up the drive in their van, deliver a food parcel, and as it was trying to back down the drive, the City Mission van drove up the drive and just about drove into the back of it. And then as the City Mission van drove away, yep. another van drove up the drive and one of our vans or whatever, and and sometimes you'd deliver a food parcel to people and they'd open the door and they'd be kicking the other food parcel that's just been delivered before you to the side so you didn't kind of see it. Yeah, right. And I was just like, Ah, oh, this is real interesting, and, and we had the privilege of where we were working with three or four other trusts. It would all come into a central point when we were packing them, and suddenly we'd start seeing different name but same address, or the same phone number but the address next door.
1: Right. Yeah. So yeah. people
0: knew how to work the system. Yeah. And it was like you don't need three food parcels delivered today, mm. <laughs> you know. And um, so I think that sort of gave us a lot of us in this uh, an idea that we need to work together a lot more, yeah. collaborate a lot more. And, uh, I mean, there's yes, there's uh, um, personal details. We've got to be very careful yes. with that. We're in Privacy Act, and we all very are. We don't share those details, but we can actually come up with really good ways to not make it harder to get food, but just make sure the food gets spread further across yeah. the place, you know?
1: Because it's not about trying to tell people they can't, mm. is it? It's about trying to get more people able to have it rather than some people hoarding it. Mm. Backing up a little bit, how did you personally get involved in Chorus?
0: Yeah, so I was. um, Beth had got Chorus going and had been running for a year, and then she um, fell in love and got married and moved to Nelson, and and there's another whole story happening there with Beth, which is really cool. But um, we got asked by the church, would we look at taking. Call us on for a little bit, and we really thought we'd be there for five minutes. We didn't think about this what where we are at now, and and so we said yes, and we met with Beth, and um, there was no trust or anything established at that point. So we spent a lot of time mm. actually forming a charitable trust, um, and and sort of setting it up. And so that's sort of three years now. I think it's been as uh, we've grown phenomenally since then. Um, we've found a lot of favour with. Um, funding agencies and things mm. um and it's just yeah it's, it's when you when you sit down on us and think like how did we get here it, it was just lots of little things but it's actually a massive thing yeah um, you know and now from following from covid just after the first lockdown we got offered uh, 27 pallets of canned tomatoes mm. and that was a unique and opportune moment because I said yes and then went oh I've got nowhere to put them <laughs> and we, we managed to find a wee warehouse and we, we got them in there and of course we had no so we had to borrow a forklift and then we managed to get some funding and buy one and so it's just grown just yeah. literally like that but 27 pallets of tomatoes started our, our warehouse distribution and then supplying other food banks in the city mm. and we could see that there was a real niche for that in the city, there was a need mm. for that in a way that wasn't being done. There was other models but they weren't.
1: Because um, other food banks might not have the warehousing or the you yes, know, that right. kind of stuff to be able to do that. A lot just eh? have
0: a station wagon car and mm. they might only be putting 10 or 15 food parcels out a week, some of them, yep. others are a lot more, mm. um, but they only have a small door to go through. Mm. So, they don't actually need 40 boxes of wheat bits. They only need one box of wheat bits, which has got 12 lots of carton, 12 wheat boxes yeah, yeah. inside it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, we worked out that if we break stuff down and smaller, get it in bulk, and then we've teamed up with other agencies and things, mm. and we've got a really good thing going. So, mm. we did just short of 300 ton of food in 87 square metres which not very much floor space yeah the idea is food comes in it goes out we're not trying to be a warehouse that stores it yeah but you do from time to time get certain things that do hang around a bit longer than others so we do need some storage Mm. um but we've got big walk-in chillers and freezers now Mm. we've um got plans to buy bigger ones Mm. with our new space so it's 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 pretty exciting, but it's mm. crazy from just saying yes to 27 yeah. pallets of tomatoes. It's a, a canned tomatoes. I don't think I want to see another canned tomatoes <laughs> again. <but> uh, <laughs>
1: true. When Beth started it, obviously she was in the cafe kind of scene, and she could see the waste that they were producing yeah. in in her space. Did it take much to get other places on board with it? No, uh, fortunately, and, and um, like where's all that food yeah. coming from?
0: Yeah, so good. Question. Um, fortunately, um. She, the company she worked for, they um, trained a lot of people in coffee and supplied coffee to other Mm. cafes. So she already had good connections. But a lot of cafes, when you talk to them, they're on board. They love it. Yeah. Obviously, one thing that's happened since COVID is that the the original lockdown things. A lot of People aren't, say, working in town as often, so a lot of the coffee shop trade has dropped off a little bit. Yeah, right. A lot of them have been much more conscious about waste because it's costing them, obviously, and they're trying to look at all their overheads. So some of that food has dropped off, but in saying that, now that a lot of events and things are starting up, we're getting all the catering companies coming back saying, hey, we've got all this extra food right. left over from yeah, our events. Of course. So it, it swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Um, but that was one of the reasons I did say yes to the twenty-seven. Pallets of tomatoes Mm. was because i could see that we needed to shift a little bit to keep more food coming through just for the free store yeah you know we take down half a ton of food roughly a night to the free store to feed over 100 people so um we're actually that's a lot of food yeah (laughs) (laughs) half a ton of food yeah yeah, sort of four to five six hundred kgs depending on what we've got time because it always changes yeah and so um That was one of the reasons I kind of said yes, because I could see we needed more food at the free store. Mm. Um, So yeah.
1: Yeah, and so now um, you've got the cafes and the catering companies and stuff, but then you're also getting, is it like supermarkets or like who's providing you with those bulk stuff?
0: Yeah, so uh, a number of places have got connections into some of the distribution centers and things, but we've also, one of the things MSD, Ministry of Social Mm. Development set up from that COVID is they learned some things. And they, because initially it was civil defence did the food and, and but it shifted under MSD response and um, what they did is they set up some organisations one of the ones they set up was um, New Zealand Food Network so they go to your bulk places like your sanitariums your tuners mm-hmm. and growers, things like that and say look, if you give us what food you've got in bulk that you don't need anymore, short dated, whatever mm-hmm. we'll distribute it out round New Zealand and so literally they get 40 pallets a week, big say, or, yeah, or the right. 27 can t- pallets of tomatoes now. Yep. And they'll go, well, Kairos, you only need one pallet of tomatoes, so we'll send you one, but we'll send the other 27 out round New Zealand. And so they've got networks of freight and different That's things and correct. distribution. So they're doing bulk, more bulk than us. Mm. And in the North Island, massive because there's a lot of food, just uh, um, places up there that make food, manufacturers. That,
1: that also stops you having to make personal connections with every supermarket in Christchurch to try and get stuff eh it it lets you do what you're doing and not have to try and do all this other stuff as well. Yeah
0: exactly and and also even at that bulk manufacturing level a lot of that's done and it's arranged and it just turns up and so we don't have to run around the truck all the time pick it up so it's saving us because i say it might be free food, but it actually does cost. Mm. It costs to have a warehouse, it costs yeah. to pay staff, it costs to repackage food, it costs to lift it off the truck with a forklift, you know. It costs. To, yep. all, it does actually cost quite a bit of money, logistically, to mm. move this food around. So, yeah.
1: Mm. And so that money's coming, you're getting MSD funding? MSD
0: funded us, certainly, but we're also, we've got a person who works on our staff team, puts in funding applications to a whole lot of things. We've had some very generous businessmen in the city. have just liked what we've done, and literally they've come to us to say, can we sponsor you? Mm-hmm. We really haven't done much
1: flag-flying saying we need money. Mm-hmm. It's been a phenomenal journey from that mm-hmm. perspective. I'm yeah. sure if anyone's listening and has some money sitting around, you'd <laughs> happily take it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whenever never say no. Of course, yeah. you can uh, do your, your gifting and your mm-hmm. tax rebates and that's sort of thing. We're a registered charity, so yeah, we're cool. always open to that. we we. A lot of people, I think, they like to give something um, for a purpose. Yeah. So we've often got little projects on the go that we, you know, we need to buy this componentry to do this. or yeah, right. Um, we've tried to be very smart as a trust um, with our assets, and we've, like, for example, got a chiller on a trailer, which, when we were buying chillers initially, we got some quotes. We got funded for the quotes when we found another person who could do the same but better pricing. And we ended up with extra assets out of that. Mm. And now we've got a mobile chiller, which we can now hire out to other groups Mm. or loan to other food banks in the city because some of them haven't got money. If they get a whole lot of stuff, they need a chiller. So it's about resourcing other people. It's not just for our Mm. empire, but it's also, it could be used as a social enterprise to bring funding back in. So we're always looking at ways we can do that. For example, Mm. we're moving into a new building, Rather than physically building lots of offices in there we're going to convert containers and things mm. because then when we mo- we know we're not going to be there long long term we can literally take those and if we move somewhere else where there is offices we can now sell those whereas if we put walls inside the building
1: it's dead money it's dead money yeah. so
0: we're trying to be we're getting a commercial kitchen it's actually a full commercial kitchen but it's a trailer like a, a food cool. trailer so Although it will sit in one place most of the time, it could be taken out and used at events as fundraising, catering events. Mm. It could be used in a civil defence emergency, things like that. We've got a good relationship with them. So there's a whole lot of options for it, but the main reason is not building a commercial kitchen in a building and then, oh, we've got to move, but we can't take it with us. Mm. So we're trying to be real smart and real clever
1: with our money. That's And when you're taking other people's money that they're giving you to do stuff you know that that must excite them as well that this money's getting used well you yeah. know that they can tell that you're actually being careful with it that you're thinking well about it um, i also love that you've got such a relational focus on you know supporting other organizations and um, having that kind of team mentality as opposed to the competition mentality which you yeah. could so easily have of like you were saying, the ones who start up the thing going, oh, we don't like the way they do it. Um, whereas you're going, hey, well, this is how we do it. But actually, if they need some help, we've got some stuff we can help. Great, let's do it.
0: Yeah, yeah we're, we're definitely like um, with the, the network in Christchurch. The ones who want to work together are already there. Um, there's some that don't and they choose not to and that's their problem, um, not ours. We, we The door's open. And we want to, like, we talk about if someone has a win, we all win. Yeah. You know, it's not just about our flag or their flag and who's the highest up the poets. We don't see it that way. We just, it, it sort of saddens me when you hear comments back about another group doesn't want to work with someone else. It's like, why? What's what's your real, you know? And I think it's more about the, I don't know, I shouldn't say this, it's probably more about the person and what's on the inside of them than what it is mm. actually and that to me if they
1: don't want to work like that, that's it's a reflection on them rather than us as, mm. yeah, What are some of the moments that you've had that keep you going yeah this is a great thing to be doing
0: I think it's the stories of the people and uh, there's some stories I share often um, but there was one lady who came down one night because literally she heard there was nice food but she decided to take her life Whoa. and it was going to happen that night she already had it planned so she turned up she got some nice food because that's what she heard there was nice food down there and I mean let's face it some of this food from the cafes is pretty nice food Mm. (laughs) and she got some but her plans got completely interrupted because someone said hey how are you or hello you Mm. know and I think just the talking to people you know we have people who come down just to talk to people in the line because we know that that can be an interrupter to some things that are going on or it takes them away from whatever's going on in their life for a moment they can talk to someone in a normal conversation they're not arguing with someone or fear of someone and that sort of thing um, so for that lady she's very special to us, she's still around today, um, she comes down sees us at different times and hangs out with us and we make sure we celebrate her birthday well and things like that because awesome. she's she's very special to us and, and just that story you know, it's just yeah, it warms me. Mm. Um, we've got another story of a guy who, who walked from Addington every night to the free store in St Assev Street. If you're not from Christchurch, it's probably a good 20-minute walk, give or take. And he did that three times a week for four weeks. And he'd stand across the road, and he would just shake with anxiety his whole body shakes because he couldn't come, didn't want to come to a crowd because of things that had happened to him and he didn't want, he wanted food, he was hungry but he didn't know what might or might not happen, you know, just that yeah. fear of the unknown and I, I can remember that I got introduced to him one night and I think it was his second or his third night and he was still shaking with anxiety when I got introduced mm-hmm. to him but long story short, he actually kept coming along and then he started volunteering and we met this amazing guy, um, we've had some really fun times outside of Kairos with him, um, we've been camping, different things, he's done firewood with me, and just his whole life has been turned around, and it, he keeps saying, I want to give back what you guys mm. have done for him. we're like, well we didn't do much, and he goes, you, you don't realise what you've done, and he shares a story with us, and it's just, um, it's, just it's, it's his story to share. Mm. Um, but it's just unreal, mm. but just that connection of food mm. there's there's other people that have come in for a very short period of time. We've met them, we've connected them into a budgeting service, and now they just their life is back to where it was and and- before they needed the help with that budgeting and things and It's just that connection but the stories you hear and the impact it has on people and and I think that goes back to what I said before about it's about the people mm. them the most important thing you know. Um, and so for us we want to create a space that's safe for anyone there's no judgement, there's no uh, restrictions put on people um, and that people can come and I think that new building really excites us what we're trying to do is have an indoor space rather than being outdoors in the cold and the rain Um, we also wanted a place where people can pick the food that they get because then they feel empowered that they're making some decisions that we can also, you know, we've had people bring pasta back and say, your chips have gone off. We're like, it's actually pasta, not chips. And they go, no, nah, it looks like chips. And we're like, they said, yeah, we nearly broke our teeth and we we're chewing some but trying to chew it. We're like, do you know that it's got to go in water and get boiled? You know, and they're like, no. But then we find out they
1: haven't even got the ability to boil water. Yeah, so there's no point in them having it, is there? No, that's right. Yeah. So,
0: so what we want to do with that mobile kitchen I talked about before is, is that and this is where we get to walk beside people mm-hmm. hey look there's these five different ingredients here tonight um we've got this lady in she's a chef she's going to show you how to cook these awesome just on a little wee burner so that yeah. you, you've got not a, not a full-blown kitchen yeah but this ju- all you need is an element you can do this or all you need is a microwave you can cook this or mm-hmm. you know because there is not everyone but people have some access to something um another story you know it's sort of semi-non-food related but food's been the tool when this lady turned up she's an older lady she's wrapped up in these most amazing woolen journeys she said, it was a freezing cold night but she'd really dressed well and we had a gas heater out and she came and put her hands around it. And she said oh a heater oh i'd love a heater and in my naivety i just went don't you have a heater like what do you mean you don't have a heater you know and and she said oh no my um i had a fire but in the earthquakes and this is uh, about 10 years after the earthquake so it's mm. quite a quite a way down she said my chimney got pushed down by the fire guys and i've still got a tarpaulin up but it's sort of the roof leaking and the sort of things and uh i said so i believe that you can get a heat pump if your fire was pushed over you know or fell over in the earthquakes and she says oh yeah someone talked about that an eqc man but it's all i don't know what's happened and this is you know years later
1: yeah
0: and um so, anyway, I said, Look, can we connect? So, we connected her into Compassion Trust, the budgeting service, but they connected her straight away into some energy heating group. Three weeks after that, she had a heat pump installed for $42. Wow. Well, <laughs> That's all it cost her. Yeah, you know, like well. that was what she had to pay. And I just think, like, it's just little stories like yeah. that if, if, that just connecting someone to something to make their life better yeah and I actually just the other night saw her I said oh how's the heat pump going and it's you know been a year or two now and she goes it's great I don't use it much but on those cold nights it's really nice because she's trying to really budget and survive but but she knows she can turn it on and it's better than turning a heat pump on than just a normal scope heater that's going to suck the the power you know so I just stories like that it just Mm. spur me on and and so I'm always like what can we do that's going to be better for these people? What can mm. we do that's going to make the night better? What can we do that that could get them more help? What can and I was even with um, some seniors from MSD the other day, and I said, "When we get our new space, would you guys come and be in there sometimes?" So that, because some people won't walk into an MSD totally. office, yeah. But if there's someone there that could say, "Do you know? You know, we've got a guy here, for example, he didn't know he was entitled to a benefit." He was literally living in a house with his brothers. Their mother had died. He didn't know he could get a benefit. Yeah. Didn't even know. And we were able to, then we had to help him get a bank account, had to help him get an IRD number. You know, all these things that we kind of all take for granted. He didn't know any of that, didn't have any of that. And so we were able to walk him through all those things. Mm. And so if we can have other agencies working in with us, it makes it better. So I'm always dreaming. What can we do better? What mm. can we make better for the, for people to come? What can we make
1: better to give people a hand up? I love that this all started with some scones getting chucked in a bin. Yep. And now you're talking about people not killing themselves, and you know, people being able to heat their homes, and mm. you know, and and it really does go to the fact that food is the vehicle for you. Not. Um, and and there will be people for who for whom it is a handout. But actually that's okay as well you know sometimes people just need a handout um but for the people that you've been able to give a hand up that's just amazing
0: yeah another story just comes to mind um is it a real recent one and, and there's a, a lovely guy that comes down um i say he's lovely but he actually stinks real bad <laughs> yeah. and his hair looks like it's a mop and um but there's this beautiful guy underneath it all yeah. and he said to me he said oh do you know where I can get some trimmers to get my, um, I want to trim my beard and cut my hair? And straight away, I know this hairdresser in Christchurch and yeah. he's, he's been all around the world uh, and he cuts people's hair in all the strangest places in the world yeah. and that's his language. And, and even though he can't communicate with these people, he um, he, he, he manages to work out communication that hey, I'll give you a free haircut. Mm. And he's he shared these stories all around the world. And He's in this quite flash-up market salon. So I was like, well, what about getting this guy into his salon mm. and to cut his hair? And literally that happened this week on Tuesday. Awesome. And so we teed up a time when all the other ladies weren't in the salon and things. Mm. And we got this guy in, and he got his hair cut, and he got his beard trimmed, and he's got the smile from one ear to yeah. another. And he, and, and he goes on, he, goes, he was worried about paying. I said, no, don't worry, it's all we'll sorted. It. there's nothing to pay and so it's connecting like even Mm -hmm. situations like that and even um the guy I talked about shaking with anxiety we got him into that salon as well and and this hairdresser guy just makes an absolute fuss of them like no one's ever fussed over them before and it just like there's just this you see these guys faces change Mm. it's doing something inside them they feel worthy they feel valued someone's taking an interest Mm. in them someone's coming near me even when I stink because they know that and so um, it just it's just great you know
1: and I mean I hear that story and I go that's about you and, and all the others involved here seeing the worth of people you know seeing that everybody's valuable and it doesn't matter if they live on the street or whatever that everyone has has value and yet our society's not set up tell people that you know that so often those people think they don't have value because that's the message they get from us Um, and like you say you know we there's so many of of those stories where there's stuff that I take for granted every day you know being able to have a beard trim or a haircut or you know those kind of things and not that I've got hair to cut anymore (laughs) shave it off every week but but um yeah I just love that that heart that yes this is about food yes this is about taking food that's getting chucked out and making sure it goes somewhere that can be used but actually ultimately this is about loving people and what more could you do to to bring a bit of heaven down to earth than to love people you know Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah I mean thank you so much for taking time to share those stories to to share your story um, to tell us a bit about Kairos if people want to support you, want to get involved, want to even just follow you, how do they do that? Yeah, so obviously Facebook's a great place to find us. You can message us off that. Otherwise,
0: info at kairosfoodrescue.org.nz. Um, our website, kairosfoodrescue.org.nz. Um, lot of people do ask about the kairos it is not it is then about the new opportunity name it's it's not actually as in kai and they go who's the ross yeah. but if you want to know how to spell it it's k-a-i-r-o-s kairos yeah. so don't yeah if you
1: probably doesn't hurt <laughs> that it's got kai in the name does no, it? it works it's, quite it's well food. But yeah. Yeah, but
0: a lot of people say who's i get the who's kai ross? but who's the ross <laughs> where did ross come into it <laughs> yeah, nice. so,
1: yeah so i'll chat those in the show notes as well yeah. so people can find those really easily yeah. but um yeah, like I say, thank you so much for, for taking the time. Thank you for your heart for people and for, for all that you're doing to help to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Thanks for having us. Hello, hello heaven Will I hear you whisper to come Kairos are doing such an awesome job alongside many other great organisations in our community. What I love most though is that while it's about food, it's actually about so much more than food. It's about dignity, valuing people and connecting people to others who can help with what's going on for them, that their life might be better. Stuart, you and the team are amazing and are doing such an important work in our city. Here is a blessing for you. Stuart, as you literally feed others, may your soul be fed as you see the difference you are making in the world. May every person who stands in line at the free store or who receives a food parcel to their home know that there is so much Aruha behind the food, that this offering is one that says they are worth something, that they mean something to someone, and that maybe life won't always be like this. As you look to work with and support other organisations who are doing good in our city, may you see the great fruit of collaborative action, knowing you are making far more of a difference than you could if you did it alone. May you never let go of the dream that you have, those questions from inside that ask, how can things be better? How can we be better? May your costs always be covered and your needs met just as you look to meet the needs of others in any way that you can. As you give so much to change life for other people and other families, may your family be a place of flourishing, as those already part of your whānau, along with those you welcome in, live knowing they are valued and loved. And lastly, may you know that you are seen, you are heard and you are loved. Thanks to Strawn for the music and Rangi for the karakia. Join me next time when I talk to Doctors Matt and Alex Wild about their chiropractic clinic in the east of Christchurch where you pay for treatment on a koha or donation system rather than through set fees. We talk about where they got the idea for a business model like this, how it's going and the joy they get from seeing people able to access treatment that they usually couldn't afford. Until then, me noi E tō mātau matua i te rangi, kia tapu tō ingoa, kia tauma i tō rangatiratanga, kia mea te tau e pai ai ki roma ki te whenua, kia rite anō ki tō te rangi. Homai kia mātau ai nei, he taroma mātau mo Mūro o mātou hara, me mātou hoki e muru nei, e o te hunga e hara anā ki a mātou. Aua hoki mātou e kawea, ki a whakawaea, e ngari whakorangi a mātou i te kino, āme.